0: Chris Pearce, passionately Portsmouth.
1: So here we are after eight o'clock tonight. Just on three minutes past. 30 so tonight is January the 30th, 2020. And we're live from Studio 2 here in our penthouse suite. Here in Central Portsmouth, good evening to you. Thanks for your company as always here. This is Chris Pearce. And hopefully, this week, we'll have a full show. My apologies for last week, beyond my control. We went horribly wrong, didn't it? Never mind, we're here. It's 9 o'clock tonight uh, with uh, an action-packed programme for you this week. Ten past eight, we're in conversation with Dave at Rumble. Now, Dave's from the Hampshire and Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust. And uh, we're discussing the new Climate Committee report, uh, which has been released. They're saying it doesn't go far enough, so we'll chat more with Dave. He's with us for a chat tonight at t- ten past eight about that. <music> and our profile guest tonight, great to have her back with us here on the airwaves. Discussing an important issue, of course, uh, domestic abuse, and from the organisation Stop Domestic Abuse. Claire Lamborn's with us uh, as both our profile guest, and we'll hear two of her songs as well. Once we've worked out what we are. <laughs> see, it's live, you see, we, we, we've just ran into the studio, and here we are. There's our profile guest. We'll chat to Claire in about ten minutes or so here on the show tonight. All that and more for now until nine o'clock on this week's Express This Week. 8 minutes past 8 o'clock here third time thanks to your company wherever uh, you happen to be tonight on uh, 93.7 FM on DAB Digital Radio and of course online at ExpressFM.com hi to Jerry. hi to Dave they listen to us uh, suddenly via ExpressFM.com hi to big Kevin Gosport as well and hello to you we happen to be across the area tonight you might be in Southsea tonight thanks to your company as always you might be in Pawsgrove you might be in Baffins Copner uh, right across Portsmouth right across Harrent, Hayden Emsworth uh we'll Park, Waterlooville, all the bits in between there, of course, and across the fairman Gosport tonight. Thanks you your be on this, Sir John. Chatting soon to Dave Rumble. Now Dave's the Senior Policy and Evidence Advisor from the Hampshire and Isle of Wight Air, um, Air Ambulance. No, not them at all. Uh, the Wildlife Trust there. We'll be chatting today very soon indeed. <laughs> Those were the days we played vinyl. Crackles and all. Lovely. We're live to nine o'clock tonight. And as expressed this week, we look back to what's been going on uh, for the last seven days and one of the the stories which, of course, dominates news... uh Fairly regularly now, of course, we might have seen all those horror stories in Australia with the bushfires and things like that. Uh, All to do with climate change, which uh, has become a very important issue, and to discuss uh, a conclusion, really, on the Committee on the Climate Change Report uh, from the Hampshire and the Oralite Wildlife Trust. It's Dave Rumble. He's with us on the line now. Dave, good evening to you. Hello
2: there, Chris.
1: Good evening. Hello. How are you? you all right? I'm very well, thank you, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, this is something we, we often talk about now. It's dominating a lot of our lives, really, isn't it, climate change? It's, it's yeah, obviously an, an important issue. Uh, and this new uh, committee, the Climate Committee Report, doesn't go far enough. Just tell a little bit about it, Dave.
2: Okay, so the Committee on Climate Change, quite rightly, points out a whole load of things that we need to do to turn the juggernaut around, really. So this is, you know, energy efficiency, renewable energy. Um, but it really importantly talks about the role that um, land and how it's farmed and how it's managed, uh, the role that that plays in managing uh, the climate and will be key in turning around to climate change. So a lot of the focus is on sort of tropical habitats and tropical seas, and that's really important. But we think there's a local slant on it, with uh, obviously our, our mission at the Wildlife Trust is local conservation. Uh, we think that our local habitats also play a really important part in climate change management.
1: And that's it, isn't it? Because obviously we've heard the government saying about uh, planting trees and that kind of thing, but that's not really going to solve any issue, is it?
2: It's part of the solution. I mean, planting trees is not a silver bullet. It's got its place, definitely, and obviously it's got to be the right tree in the right place because it is actually possible to do more damage if the wrong tree is in the wrong place, particularly if it involves draining peat, peat uh, bogs for example, that's a disaster because it releases all the carbon from the peat and the soil into the atmosphere.
1: Now so that's not a bad idea but obviously more needs to be done and this is what you're concerned about.
2: Yeah that's right, so a lot of our land is obviously um, doing good work as, as farmland but one of the consequences of sort of modern-day farming uh, and other land uses is that all the soil, all the carbon that is locked up in the soil, is or has been released into the atmosphere and is making the, the climate change issue worse. So, we at the Wildlife Trust think that one of the important measures to do locally is to um, try and restore habitats. So obviously we've got to protect the best stuff, you know, ancient woodland and peatlands, places like the New Forest, some of the Solent areas. We've got to protect that uh, and not mess with that. But some of the farmland, for example, that's really low-grade land that's uh, perhaps quite hard to manage, requires a lot of drainage and a lot of uh, fertiliser and so forth, why not restore habitats on that like grasslands and actually that can lock away tonnes and tonnes and tonnes of carbon into the soil again?
1: And, of course, we're building too many houses, aren't we?
2: Well, a lot of people think that. A lot of people don't disagree with that. Um, One of the issues is is, um, the amount of energy it takes just to create housing. I mean, bricks and and mortar and concrete, a colossal carbon footprint of those industries. Uh, But, of course, then, of course, building on greenfield sites, you take away the potential of that land to, to work for nature, for managing climate change and at the moment with some really important bills going through parliament the environment bill the agriculture bill um, it's a really crucial time for securing some of these uh, important decisions about how we manage land for uh, ourselves but for nature and for wildlife and that's got a local story Mm. that we're keen to tell
1: i mean obviously which is quite important to us here in this area with south sea and Island and stokes bay over there in Gosport, of course uh quite low level land isn't it i mean that's a concern too isn't it
2: yeah and actually some of our solent um, areas are some of the best bits of wildlife we've got huge numbers of um you know, wintering migrating birds that come down from Siberia and Iceland and all sorts of places to spend the winter here. Um, And those are, you know, really important populations. But they're here for one reason, and that's because the coast is so productive um, as a feeding ground for them. But as you rightly uh, suggest, you know, they're vulnerable habitats. Erosion's a problem. Um, And of course, as sea warms up through climate change, the sea levels are rising, and we're losing these habitats as they get squished against coastal defences. So without a natural coastline that can sort of adapt, we will lose a lot of our really important habitats for wildlife, but also habitats like seagrasses, which have just hit the news because of a new project which will um, be working in the Solent. We're really excited about seagrass is more efficient at locking away carbon than tropical rainforests and we've got it here on our doorstep.
1: So are you working very closely with the local councils on some of these issues?
2: Well, a lot of the local councils, Chris, have declared a climate emergency, and I think they're now (laughs) scratching their heads as to what that means. And we're reminding them that, yes, you've absolutely got to look at transport, you've got to look at um, energy efficiency and and insulating homes. Absolutely right. But we're also keen as a wildlife trust to re-emphasise the message that land is the biggest area in some of our local authorities uh, and that needs to be playing its part so we need to be restoring certain habitats protecting the really important carbon rich habitats and these places are also really good for wildlife so that's why we're doing it as the wildlife trust Uh, but also urban places chris have got a role to play i mean i live down the road in southampton uh, but portsmouth one of the most densely populated cities in europe um We've got a really exciting project at the moment called Wilder Portsmouth, which is about getting people, communities uh, to rewild their local areas. That might be gardens, it might be parks and open spaces. And even that has a part in helping you know, things like bees. We've heard about pollinators going uh, yeah. down in number. Yeah. Little simple measures in your garden will make a big difference, but also trees and carbon.
1: And I guess tracting birds too, isn't it? That's the other important thing as well, because we're losing, as you sort of indicated there, or hinted certainly, we're losing a lot of the, um, our native birds as well, aren't we?
2: We are indeed, and a, a big factor there is the loss of insect life. Um, we, there are some really quite worrying statistics about just the sheer abundance of insects in the countryside um, plummeting, and of course, it's for all sorts of reasons. One of the big reasons is you know, use of pesticides. Phenomenal areas of of, of farmland are um, sprayed. You know, with pesticides, and that, of course, does take out the pests of the crop, but it often also takes out, you know, wild pollinators uh, and other insects, which are food for. You know, we love swallows and and house martins and swifts, and when we see them flying around coming back each summer, they, they make us feel good. They're, they are the, the soundtrack of our summer, if you like. Sure. Is. But they feed on insects and if the insects are going down, so will they.
1: Now, very quickly, tell us a little bit about the 10-year uh, Wilder 2030 plan.
2: Okay, so this is a, a bit of a new way of thinking for the Wildlife Trust. Um, we've had an amazing track record in the past of nature reserves and looking after the best bits of our two counties, Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, for, for you know, wildlife and for people's benefit of it, enjoyment of it, and education. But it's not enough. Um, and we feel that we've hit a bit of a crossroads as, as a society. We've got to take things a lot serious, more seriously. We've got to take certain things to a new level and change gear. So at the Wildlife Trust we're interested in, perhaps on a, on a grand, grander scale, working uh, across the countryside to, to bring rewilding now, that's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but what it simply means is allowing nature to, to um, reassert itself uh, and wildlife to, to restore it, recover again, and uh, all these good things like locking away carbon, managing flood water. Nature can do that for us if we'll let it.
1: Okay, very exciting stuff. Now, people want to get involved in any sort of the things that you sort of highlighted uh, tonight, Dave. How can they do that? How can they go about it?
2: you go onto to our website, um and Isle of Wild Wildlife Trust. Um, if you follow the Wilder uh, tab on that, you can find out about all sorts of community-based stuff, events, walks, talks, social media, follow us. A really good thing to do in the summer is 30 Days Wild, which we've been running. And it's just an idea that every day do something simple, look out for nature, um, you know, do a, do a bird bath, do anything in your garden, just a simple observation or a simple step to appreciate and notice the nature that's around you, even if you live in a city. Uh, so that's a really good way in. But yeah, come to our website, Hampshire and Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust, H-I-W-W-T.
1: Fantastic. Uh, Dave? find it. Yeah, fantastic. And people can get in more information there uh, certainly on some of the issues that you've sort of discussed tonight with us and, uh, and that forth. Dave, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on tonight. I do appreciate it. We'll keep in touch with you, Dave, because it's always nice to come back to you. and uh, Definitely anytime, w- Chris. Yeah, w- when the weather gets a bit brighter and warms up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. Absolutely. Bring on yeah, spring. That's right. It's just around the corner, Dave. That's right. Bless you. Well, right. thanks for coming on tonight, Thank Dave. You, good to talk yeah, to good you. Good evening. Cheers. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Dave Rumble there from the Hampshire Nile White Wildlife and if you do want to find out more about it as Dave said there, uh, you can go onto their website and if you go to h-i-w-w-t you can find all the info you need to know about that and the Hampshire Wildlife and how you can get involved in that And here we are Thursday night, thanks to company The time goes quick on a Thursday I tell you as soon we start with we're finishing. And of course, Shaz here after nine tonight, ready to rock your socks off. He was here last week and he met me out in the car park with the rest of the 200 students here. <laughs> oh dear. Let me see tonight, after nine, uh, ready to rock, uh, as always, on a Thursday night. Uh, a warm welcome to our profile guest tonight. Been in so many times, great to be back with us, uh, chatting about domestic abuse, one of the most important issues, of course, uh, from the organisation Stop Domestic Abuse. Claire Lamborns with us. Claire, how are you? I'm very well, and how are you? All oh, right. It's good to see you. Uh, you came in with Miles back before Christmas, wasn't it, I think? Or was it just after Christmas? It
0: was just before Christmas, with my colleague Zarina, who is the service manager for Portsmouth. Yeah and um and now uh the eastern side of hampshire so that was great um to do a show with him
1: look at that See, i've seen i've trained you <laughs> chatting with the boss bless you but thank it's great to get you back in uh, because obviously there's so many it's not a subject which will go away it's not a subject really that gets boring it's a subject we need to keep talking about are not we are we doing enough still claire that's
0: Um, No, we're not doing enough, Um, but we are talking about it more and that's what's really important. But actually, we do need to do more and that's right across the board. We need more resources to fund interventions of domestic abuse and we need to talk about it more within organisations, whether that's within health, whether that's within the police, whether that's within schools. Um, we need to be talking about it so that everybody recognises domestic abuse, acknowledges it's wrong and uh, exposes it and says, that's not right, let's do something about it.
1: Because the fear is, isn't it, because you sort of hinted there, uh, and I've read over the in the news the last couple of weeks about... Um, funding cuts. Really a crucial time for you as well.
0: Absolutely. As an organisation, we live in fear of funding cuts. Um, We've grown over the last 18 years significantly, but actually we deliver more and more services for less and less money. And we're increasingly reliant on trusts and grants and external organisations rather than statutory contracts. Uh, We're constantly fundraising, applying to organisations like the Lottery, Children in Need, Comic Relief and more obscure funders hmm. to secure vital money to deliver crucial services that otherwise wouldn't exist.
1: Do you, I mean, the government must be asking you to, to do more to help people with with less cash that's basically how it works that it, is
0: basically how it works and we were really disappointed when the domestic abuse bill fell first of all for the prorogue of parliament and then yes. it collapsed again because of the general election we've been assured that the domestic abuse bill is going to be back on the table and that within there there will be statutory responsibilities on local authorities including the provision of refuge but actually if it's not funded What's the point of there being a statutory responsibility? We actually need those resources to fund these vital services.
1: And they are vital too, because obviously, I guess the figures are still not coming down how, you know, as much as you would like.
0: Oh, absolutely not. And in actual fact, um, we can say that they're going up. We've had um, an increase in women murdered by um, their partners in the last three years. That has increased.
1: Is that just Uh, in this area?
0: uh, No, across the national situation. So we were looking, um, really, for the last decade, on average, two to three women were being murdered a week by their partner or ex-partner. For the last three years, that has actually crept up to at least three women a week are being murdered by their partner and ex-partner. Not just women, but actually um, there is a real issue around femicide and women being murdered um, in domestic relationships.
1: I mean, you see a lot of this on TV and obviously it's sort of the soap operas and things like that are trying to highlight this and promote, you know, people talking about it, which I think people are starting to now, finally. But it can also sometimes perhaps have the reverse effect, surely? Does it, you know, with situations they portray, give people ideas? Do you I would that? hope not.
0: I think um, if you're somebody who is going to use unhealthy behaviours or you're a perpetrator of domestic abuse, you will use those behaviours regardless of so some programmed. fictional thing. Yeah. Um, there will be other factors that have... Um, Impacted on that. What's really important is when these things are in television shows or films, um, it's reminding people that it's not right. That's what we want. What we want is that to be exposed that domestic abuse is unacceptable. It's unacceptable to perpetrate it. It's unacceptable for a victim to be ashamed. And we need victims to know that they can come forward and ask for help and they will be believed and they will be helped. And that's the really important message, that actually a lot of these fictional programmes are actually helping us by getting that message out there.
1: And how do you define, you know, domestic abuse? There must be, you know, how you sort of... must be a thin line there somewhere.
0: Well, there's... There is definitions, but actually, we talk about domestic abuse is um, abuse perpetrated by somebody with whom you have a, a familial or an intimate partner relationship with. And that abuse can be physical, emotional, sexual. Um, There can be elements of financial control, coercive control. Um, It can span a whole remit. Um, It doesn't just have to be about the physical abuse. Um, A lot of domestic abuse is about control and power and fear. And actually playing to the victim's fear means that the perpetrator will always have the upper hand. And what we need to do is break that cycle of fear so that a victim knows that they can ask for help, whether they're female or male. Whatever their age, they can come forward, they can tell a professional or a friend, doesn't have to be ringing up a domestic abuse service or the police, and get help. And that's what we need to happen.
1: Now, coercive control is been featured at the moment on Coronation Street, isn't it? There's a storyline currently ongoing. That's quite powerful stuff
0: it is absolutely and it was only recognized in the last few years as actually a criminal offense um and it was actually here in hampshire that the first um prosecution for coercive control took place and um it's really important to recognize that actually not all domestic abuse is about that physical violence but actually any behavior that leaves you in fear and in fear of your life is coercive control and is unacceptable
1: and you can't believe this day and age that that actually happens, can you? When you look at the, you know what you see in, in situations like that, you can't believe that someone would actually do that to, to another human being.
0: You can't believe that people would want to do that. Mm. But actually what we know is that people do do that. And it's about um, understanding that those people who are experiencing it are often in a position where they don't really understand what's going on and they've been conditioned to think what they're experiencing is acceptable. And actually we need to break the taboo where we talk about it and that they know they can ask for help and they will be believed. And it's not their fault that they're experiencing what they're experiencing. It is the person who is using those abusive behaviours fault.
1: I mean, does it fall down to sort of jealousy then on the, on the perpetrator?
0: I think uh, we could have a long debate as to really? why people use abusive behaviours. Um, there is an element of power and control. It's about controlling that person and asserting their power um the question is why would you use unhealthy behaviors in a relationship it is usually your issue if you're a perpetrator of domestic abuse it is your issue not the victim's issue you don't beat up a victim Hmm. of domestic abuse because of them you beat them up because of you and that's what we have to recognise is that those people who use unhealthy behaviours have to be held to account and it is them alone that make the choice to use those behaviours.
1: We sort of hinted on the different variations of domestic abuse and there's quite a few there Claire. but the main ones are the physical side, the emotional and the sexual as you you sort of hinted. Uh, uh, In terms of that, uh, is that sort of coming down or is that still fairly high up there.
0: Oh absolutely they're very high Um, most people who use violence um, to control a partner or ex-partner will use a variety of means so it is highly unusual for somebody to just use one tactic Mm. just physical abuse just emotional abuse it's usually a a whole palette of abusive behaviors which they use to control and intimidate their partner ex-partner and um, probably their children as well.
1: I mean that's the same when kids are involved also that can have sort of detrimental effect to, to them as they're growing up I imagine. Oh
0: absolutely, um, children are very much aware of what's going on within a household where there's domestic abuse whatever efforts the non-abusive parent may take to protect their children the children are usually aware what's going on um, and we need to know that domestic abuse has an impact in children as they grow up Girls who grow up in violent households are more likely to end up a victim of domestic abuse in the future. And boys who grow up in violent households are no more likely to be a perpetrator, but they are more likely to enter the criminal justice system. So at some point, if you're a boy growing up in a violent household, you have a higher propensity to end up um, with a criminal record.
1: That's sad, isn't it? I, I guess they see it in front of their eyes, think that's the norm.
0: Absolutely. If you um, grow up in an abusive household where you see that violence is used instead of reason to resolve conflict um you will grow up to recognize that as a norm and if um even if you don't end up as a perpetrator and you don't want to use violence to control someone you love you are actually going to think that violence is how you resolve conflict and that is how men do end up more likely in the judicial system because they will resolve conflict with violence
1: it's a shocking statistic isn't it yeah
0: absolutely it's a tragedy yeah and that's why we do a lot of work with children and young people so in our refuges we're unique that we have specialist workers working with the children but actually also out in the community um we have workers who will work with children and young people whether that's those children and young people affected by domestic abuse but also children and young people in schools we do some general awareness work where we go in and we talk about how to recognize abuse how to recognize abuse in teenage behaviors and to talk about things um around uh, domestic abuse so that those children and young people affected by it can ask for help and get the support that's out there.
1: Now, is it just the physical side of all this? Because obviously we're seeing more social media. So are you sort of getting more involved in that side of things when social media comes into that sort of side of bullying?
0: Um, Yeah, we see that quite a lot of the people who are using our services are being tracked. They're being hassled on social media by their partner or ex-partner. Um, technology has increased the abuse. Partners are able to so there's actually
1: stuff out people. there. Yeah, they can track.
0: There is. There's um, things that can be attached to phones and to cars, so that you can identify the location, so you know where um, the victim is, so that the perpetrator can track them down. Wow. Should the victim try to to move on and escape, they will always be able to find them. So when a family comes into refuge, we actually do some work with them around making themselves safe on social media so we talk about closing down your social media accounts we talk about checking that there's no software on your smartphone for how you can be tracked um that the perpetrator doesn't have your login details to track your emails um because all of these things can happen but you know systems systems fall down um, you know even the old method snail mail has caused problems we've had a victim in a refuge where um, we've notified their bank and said P- you can't send any bank statements to their former address they need to come to their new address the bank statement has been sent to their former address and the perpetrator has been able to open that statement and see that they've made X amount of withdrawals in a certain area so it's not rocket science to work out that maybe they're living in a a refuge in this town um they turn up in the town they ask around um next thing you know um they're telling the victim i know where you live they may not know where they live but they know which town they're in and they'll take a photograph of them standing at that station just to perpetrate fear and terror
1: that is extreme, isn't it? it? Is are we seeing that in this area, or oh, is this something nationally? Or oh, this
0: ha- this happens. Um, so we've got thirteen refugees across Hampshire, three of which are in Portsmouth, yeah. and we see that on a local level wow. all the time.
1: That is incredible, and, and psychological too. That's the other bit of the uh, the abuse side of it. There's all sorts of things. I mean, what's gaslighting? I've heard this expression before.
0: Um, so gaslighting is where you undermine their confidence. So a really good example of it is that uh, perpetrator will wake the victim up in the night and say there's an intruder, there's an intruder upstairs call the police, call the police so the victim calls the police, okay. when the police turn up the perpetrator will say no there's no intruder or maybe we'll make a little sign showing that that victim has been drinking or whatever so that actually at the point that the victim calls the police because they're experiencing domestic abuse the police have got a record that they've been called out by this victim on spurious reasons so it's about undermining them so making them look foolish making them question their own capability make them start thinking am i mistaken am i making really poor judgments here so it's all about undermining them
1: Wow, so that's gaslighting, and it's moving things, I'm reading off your website, actually, moving things around the house too
0: Oh absolutely, it's just about that stuff about undermining your confidence, making you think that you're, you're the one at fault that you're the one who makes these mistakes, you're making really poor judgement calls and actually therefore are you the one who actually deserves this abuse because you are so stupid and foolish and actually maybe it is your fault so it's all about playing mind games, it's all about control
1: that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I guess, you know, we, we chat about this off air too. It's like having, you know, not seeing friends and things like that. And also uh, when it comes to money, that, that, that side of Absolutely. things too, checking bank accounts. and.
0: So I think one of the really obvious clues, if you're worried that one of your friends or family members is experiencing yeah. domestic abuse um, and something isn't sitting right with you, one of the first things to think about is is my access to that family member or friend being reduced? Are they being isolated? Being removed? Are they not being able to attend family events? Are they always busy? Are they always doing something? Has something changed that they're not engaging with their family or friends as they normally did? Chances are that's because the abusive partner is controlling them and is saying let's not go out with your friends, let's go out with mine, let's not see your family. Because actually it's all part of this control is about isolating you from your friends and family so that when you do start experiencing domestic abuse and you start wanting to ask for help you've got no contacts you've got nobody left to ask because you haven't seen people because he has told you surely he's enough for you or if it's a she I mean domestic abuse works both ways but actually isolation is a real problem for victims of domestic abuse because Mm. if the perpetrator can isolate you Who are you going to ask for help?
1: Yeah. And timing people too. I've heard this before.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's about rules. There's a whole lot of control. You can go to the shop, but you can only do it in this certain amount of time because the perpetrator wants to ensure that you're not talking to anybody, that you're not communicating with people, you're not flirting with somebody. It's about making sure that you're under their control. And actually also that engenders fear because you know if you're not back...
1: By half past nine.
0: You... Are likely to experience yeah. physical abuse. You may experience sexual abuse. You will be punished, and actually, you might not be allowed to go out again. So, it's a real way. It's a real way to control fear.
1: Controls people, and also mental too.
0: Oh, absolutely. It it will undermine your confidence. You will start thinking that you. It's you who's making all these mistakes. That you are foolish, and it will play on all of your own neurosis. That actually. I'm at fault here. And it is never the victim's fault. It was always the perpetrator's fault.
1: Now, if someone out there tonight is in this sort of position or any we've sort of discussed tonight, Claire, uh, what's the first thing they should do?
0: Well, the first thing they should do, if it is an emergency situation, is always dial 999. Mm. If you're experiencing domestic abuse and you are scared and you are going to get hurt, call 999. But if you want to talk to somebody and you want some support... Please contact us on our helpline, zero three three zero zero one six five one one two, or you can email us via our website, which is www.stopdomesticabuse.uk, and on there there are lots of links. But the easiest email address is info at stopdomesticabuse.uk. You can look on our website for information, um, and uh, there's ways you can contact us if you don't feel like ringing us you can send us an email you can send an inquiry um, or you can just find out some more information you can get a family member or a friend to ring us if you're not confident but please get in touch if you're experiencing domestic abuse or you're worried about somebody who's experiencing domestic abuse please give us a call and we can give you some advice about how things can change
1: now you've also had some nice stories out of some of the situations too because people have actually joined you haven't they
0: people who have been victims of domestic abuse have now come to work for yeah. us yes that's um uh, been a great thing so um what we do say to people is if you're a victim of domestic abuse and you're interested in working for us we need to make sure that you are free of violence yeah. in your life um but, actually, but it's nice isn't it because they come out wonderful. the other side And actually some of our greatest workers are people who've experienced domestic abuse have come out the other side Mm. and actually um, have real passion and empathy um, for the situation we also have survivors of domestic abuse who volunteer for us um, and also survivors of domestic abuse on our board of trustees so we're really keen for those people who have experienced domestic abuse um, and feel that they want to engage with a domestic abuse organisation to get in touch
1: okay and all the details again are on the website
0: absolutely yeah? and all the jobs we have available are advertised on the website um, if you've not experienced domestic abuse but you want a change in career you've got experience in education social housing social care um, working with children and young people please look at our website and apply for a job you know we'd love to have you on the team
1: and be a good listener I guess
0: oh absolutely you have to be a good listener um, you have to have empathy you have to have understanding but you and you have to have resilience but actually um, all the people who work for us have different qualities, but the one common quality is they're committed to a world without domestic abuse, and that's the important thing.
1: Fine. So again, the details of the website uh, address, Claire, is
0: www.stopdomesticabuse.uk.
1: Fantastic, and all the numbers you need are on there. Particularly uh, as Claire said, so if you find yourself in an emergency situation, best thing to do is nine nine nine. I guess in that sort of uh, circumstance. Um, Absolutely. If it. it's
0: an emergency, dial nine nine nine. But any other situation give us a call and we'll do anything we can to help
1: fantastic Claire, it's always good to see you thanks for coming in it's always nice to keep talking about it and uh, and highlight it it's a it's situation sadly which is not going to go away but as long as we keep doing our bit to uh, keep discussing it and highlighting it uh, perhaps we can help a bit more people out there and, uh, yeah, survive it, I guess, in some ways, or deal with it, certainly.
0: Absolutely, and thank you very much for supporting the work we do at Stop
1: Domestic Fantastic. Abuse. Fantastic, always a pleasure. Next week, as he rattles through his diary, we've got someone coming in, I'm not forget who it is. Oh, yeah, Joe Toms, operations manager for Home Start here in Portsmouth. She's our profile guest. We'll talk next Thursday night at 8. Chaz is afternoon news at 9.
0: Nine, nine.